Wednesday, January 29th, and this is Sports BKC presented by Big O Tires. I'm your host, Blair Kirkhoff, and this episode is about you. Well, you and Chief CEO Clark Hunt. Let me explain. We lead off the show responding to questions submitted to KCQ. Herbie Tiobi, Sam McDowell, and Vahe Gregorian do their best to answer queries about the Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes, and all things Chiefs. After a break, we'll run our entire interview with Chief CEO Clark Hunt. He met with a handful of reporters on Tuesday and fielded questions about the team, Tyreek Hill, Brett Veach, Andy Reid, Kareem Hunt, and Eric Bieniemy, among other topics. But first, here's most of the A-team taking your KC questions. We got the A-team here. We got Sam McDowell, Herbie Teope, Vahe Gregorian, Sam Mellinger would be here, but he's out getting provisions uh, for us tonight. Um, so we decided to carry on without him. And gentlemen, this is called KCQ. KCQ had a different meaning to me until we started running question answers to questions in the newspaper. Uh, my idea of KCQ before this was we're the best barbecue yeah. joint in Kansas City. Yeah, that, that was so, my first what's, what's your KCQ? Uh, you mean in the old in the old meaning of the term? Yes, in the, in the Joe's. I I go to Char Bar a lot. I really like Char Bar. I am persuaded that Q thirty nine. I I feel like they're all there's eight that are wonderful, right? Yeah. I mean, there's eight that would be the best here in Miami. <laughs> yeah, or anywhere really. Anywhere, I mean, really. I don't mean to be so fickle. What do you? What do you? I, I'll tell you what. I'm. I'm I kind of like the the one place that I think is a bridge from the old school to the new school, and that's Jack Stack. Yeah, I think Jack Stack has a foot in the past and a foot in the future. Jack Stack is like, Jack Stack is in like everybody's top five. I feel like yeah. I don't know how many people have it number one, but like almost everybody has it in their top five. But I feel like to to make that transition on the bridge, we do have to acknowledge the bridge of Gates and Bryant's. Absolutely, um, for yep. sure. I mean, that's and they are right in there with right. anything I like to have. Herbie, you're, you've been very quiet. Zardas. Okay. Listen, I'm with I'm, you. I'm I, with you on Zarda. Man. I think it's I, underrated. Have have they've really come up big yeah. in the last couple of years? Their their burn ends, I think, are as good as any in town. They actually beat um Jack Stack last year for best burn ends. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yes, that's yep. I like Zarda. Speaking of coming up big, I I, I don't want to give the others any inferiority complex, but Zarda's comes up big to St. Joseph. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. That's yeah. when I started falling in love with them when they were out there catering training right. camp. I was like, wow. Okay, so that's that's the KCQ that we're most familiar with. So we're done, right? Okay. This KCQ are questions that, that readers have sent to the Kansas City Star and uh, Savannah Smith, and so uh, she passed those along to me, and we're going to try to answer as many of them as we can tonight. We're in Miami at the Super Bowl. We figured what better time to answer some questions about the Super Bowl. So here's the first one, submitted by Anonymous. Do you think that Patrick Mahomes will be the Super Bowl MVP, and do you think that the Chiefs defense will continue to play like it's been played? Herbie? The MVP. I don't want to predict who will be the MVP because every year it's, it's always someone that surprises. Julian Edelman last year. Put yourself the out MVP. there. The MVP. Put myself out there. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say the MVP is probably going to come on defense. Because okay. I think the Chiefs have to have a good defensive showing to stop the 49ers run game. So I'm going to say that the MVP will come on defense. Like maybe a, a Tyron Matthew. 
With a pick six. <laughs> Tyron Matthew with a pick six off of Jimmy Garoppolo to seal the game. Bingo. There it is. Or if you want to really think this through, D Ford. D Ford. Wouldn't that be a Can you imagine if D Ford has just some huge game in this game? Yep. Five sacks. I could imagine. Strip sack. <laughs> <laughs> that would be problematic for the Kansas City fan. It would offset the thing I just wrote about him, too. <laughs> let me ask let me put it to you in a different way. If uh, if I took Patrick Mahomes against the field, or if you took Patrick Mahomes or the field, what would you prefer? Well, Mahomes is one to one right now in Vegas, so that basically that, is, that's what it is. That is it's it's Mahomes or the field. Would you um, take the field or Mahomes? It's kind of interesting because the Chiefs are barely favored in this game by more than that. So basically, hmm. what they're saying is, if the Chiefs win, it's going to be Pat because of Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> and he's going to win MVP. And that's why I, I think the answer to that is yes. It's because I think the Chiefs are going to win. And if you think the Chiefs are going to win, I mean, what is it, 90% chance, I think, that Patrick Mahomes is going to be the MVP of this game? If they're going to win, it's because Patrick Mahomes had a good game. For sure. And, and I, I like your logic and your reasoning, and I, I'm with you on that. That that's, that would be my pick. I would take Patrick Mahomes against the field. In a uh, related uh, question, what will uh, the least amount of points will the Chiefs need to score to win the game on Sunday? What, what can they? What's sort of a bottom-out point total for the Chiefs against the 49ers? I feel like high 20s. I, I feel like 27-ish. I, I think the 49ers are going to get some points. We can go back to the question about how the defense will play, but I, I'd be surprised if the 49ers are held under 20. Um, it, just, it, just gut. It kind feeling. of goes back to, you know, last year they never scored fewer than 26, right? Mm-hmm. And they were 12-4, and four and, but they fell under that this year a few times, right? Um, the loss to the Colts. Yeah. Uh, the 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 loss. To, I forgot what the Texans. It was thirty-one twenty-four. I think the loss to the Texans. That was yeah. And the offense just didn't have the same numbers. Great numbers, top five in the NFL in most categories. But I'm I'm with you on this, Vahe. I, I I've always I've been saying all along, a game in the thirties favors the Chiefs. I think anything below that favors the 49ers. They've won some games this year though, when we're being under that twenty-six mark. They have. They beat the Broncos. Uh, 23-3 or something? 16 or, or so. Um, um, they, they won two or three games in a row. Later in the were, season, there were a couple. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they were yeah. scoring fewer than 28 points. It would be great if we had researched this beforehand. But I think I, I think they can hold the, the 49ers to 20. Okay. All right, our next question. Is it possible that the Chiefs or Travis Kelsey will owe the Beastie Boys any royalty <laughs> copyright fees submitted by Jeff Hess? Um, you, you have your attorney hat on, your copyright attorney. <laughs> Where's your law degree? <laughs> I'm glad that Jeff thinks so much of us that we are the people to ask. That, <laughs> that was um, it was quite a moment at the end of the. Uh, it, was the it was the moment, right? You wrote about it, Sam, didn't you? Yeah, I just I, I, I first of all the main reason I wrote about it is because I could not stop watching the clip on. The <laughs> That's a good reason. So I asked around about it. Um, James Winchester was singing it in his head as he was coming out of the shower in the locker room. So I asked him about it. And it's funny because they play that song in the stadium, apparently. Which means throughout, the, throughout yeah. the game and all the players get it stuck in their head. And that's where that came from. And whenever the NFL, any venue plays music, they have rights to it. So I, I don't think that they're going to be owing the Beastie Boys any royalty fees because... Unless it gets, gets a print on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> because the Beastie Boys already gave them permission to play that, play that at, at the stadium. stadium. Correct. Right. Just one quick aside to go back to, since we, we have in front of us, we all were sort of thinking this way, but to clarify it, that six-game regular season winning streak 
the Chiefs ended ended the regular season with four of those games they scored under twenty seven in, in victories, twenty four to seventeen over the Chargers, twenty three sixteen over the Patriots, twenty three three over the Broncos, twenty six three over the Bears. And they're facing a great defense, maybe the best defense they've seen all year with the, with the Niners. So they've actually allowed fewer points this season than the Forty Niners have. And the 49ers have actually scored Scored more points than the Chiefs this year, which is really interesting. Okay, let's go to the next one here. Richard Demarest wants to know if the Chiefs will return to St. Joe for training camp in 2020. What's the timetable for the decision for that? Because we didn't they announce it last. Do they are they coming back for one more year? Yeah, I think they already announced that. Okay, for one more year during training camp last year, they are coming back. Okay, let's go beyond 2020 then. What what kind of factors would be involved for the Chiefs and? Going back to Missouri West, I, I think Herbie knows just because he's been in this league a lot, but it's becoming more and more of a trend to be close to as, home. Yeah, yeah, be close to home. What, even um, it, it's getting very rare for teams to go elsewhere. I mean, what you do see a trend is joint practices. A lot of teams are now starting to do that, but Andy Reid hasn't done it since God, even the Arizona Cardinals. You remember that? What was that, 2012? Wow. No, that, that's even before my time. Did, they didn't... Yeah, they hosted the Cardinals... In, in St. Joe. Correct. Correct. So it's, it's been a while, but a lot of the factors that will go into that is... And that was pre-Andy Reid. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Todd Haley was still the coach. Yeah. But a lot of factors that go into that is obviously business. Yep. Fan experience. You know, you don't want fans driving all the way back up to River Falls. Well, St. Joe has the infrastructure there as well. You know, they, they've got... That, that the indoor facility, I remember years ago, not years ago, a few years ago, where they upgraded it, and that's the reason why the Chiefs took that, because they had an adequate indoor facility. They have fields out there. I mean, it's set up nicely for the Chiefs, and I don't see why they would go elsewhere. I know that the, the players, I think, would prefer not to be in dorms for, Correct. for a month, and uh, the, especially the veterans. But they, would you pack? <laughs> But Andy Reid, I think that's one of the draws for Andy Reid. I well, he says that. Yeah, he he says that. Uh, he likes it, and really, it kind of comes down to him, doesn't it? I mean, it's going to be Andy Reid's call. We can talk about the, the the financial advantages of being there or being in Kansas City, but you know, if Andy Reid thinks it helps his team win, yeah. If you're in an AFC Championship last year and a Super Bowl this year, <laughs> yeah, and Reed is a creature of habit. Why sure break is. that? Yeah, might be long-term right. deal prediction. Yeah. Okay. So Brad uh, Barakman, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, asks, "Whatever happened to Morris Stroud, who Coach Stram would place at the goalpost to <laughs> bat down long field goal attempts?" Well, what happened to him was he, he passed away in 2016, but he was a unique. Person and a, and a really different sort of guy. He was six foot ten, and and went to Clark University in Atlanta, and was one of those finds by Lamar Hunt and Lloyd Wells. Yes, the Lloyd Wells, the scout. So he was at the time the the, the second tallest player in the NFL. He may be still one of the tallest players ever to play in the NFL. But that's exactly right. Um, uh, Hank Stram would put him at the at the uh, at the back then the goalpost was at, at the end zone. <laughs> That's right. And he would you could goaltend basically. And the NFL put in a rule, the, the Stroud rule, that took goaltending out of out of play. I so, didn't realize that part. That's, yeah. So yeah. that's why there's no more six ten guys. Uh, right. Jumping. Yeah. J- it, jumping to knock down field goal attempts. Wow. Wow. Um, 
Okay. Hey, Devin wants to know what is going on with Sean McCoy. We've been asking that question for a few weeks. Load management. Yes. <laughs> he, he did say last night that he um, he was battling the flu last week. Is that right? Yeah, during the AFC Championship practice week that he was battling the flu. McCoy said that? Yeah, he told, he told I think it was the Philadelphia Daily News also that he plans on retiring Eagle whenever that, that time does come. He's enjoyed his time here because they've got him to the Super Bowl. And, and again, this I'm, I'm crediting that report because I wasn't there for this. But he's enjoyed his time here because they've gotten to the Super Bowl. He's never been this far, but he still considers himself. Obviously, he's, he's from nearby in Philadelphia, yeah. and he, he played for the Eagles. That's where he had his, his best years. I mean, to answer that question, father time is, is what's happening to LaShawn McCoy right now, I think. I just, I, I'm going to say it's load management. You say it's father time, I'm saying it's load sticking management. Sticking with load management? I'm, I'm sticking with it. Well, Save him for the second half of the Super Bowl. I love how the room quieted oh, for me no, to do, say well, and then I, then right. I had nothing. Well, you did that to me. Herbie, you've been quiet over there. Zardas. <laughs> Well, look, I think you guys. Eric Bieniemy likes it. Waiting on something good. (laughs) Look, I I I think you guys are all over it. I mean, I think that the thing, Andy. My belief is that Andy has kept referring to it as load management. He's not getting any younger. But basically, just to save face for Lashawn, I think at some point it seems clear he must have fallen out of favor in some way. Now, in part, that's because Damian Williams is is back, and and Damian Williams is pretty good postseason player, pretty good player. And I, I think maybe, remember we saw quite a burst out of McCoy early in the season, but I don't, I don't know if he had that burst as the season went. So you can characterize it any number of ways, but I think Andy's, you know, Andy cares about him. He's trying to let him keep his dignity. He's not going to say he just doesn't have it anymore, but I think there's a little element of that. I would this this yeah. isn't one of the the KCQs, but I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one on Herbie. You always predict the inactives on Sunday, and I think that's gonna be one of your hardest predictions. But I, no, no, no. I, I predicted Lashawn McCoy last week. Remember? Yeah, you did. You that's did. gonna be one of your hardest ones, I think, on Sunday. Though is is Lashawn McCoy gonna dress? If you ask me that question now, are you, is that what you're doing? You're asking me now. I, I would, I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here. You told me to go out on a limb earlier. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say no. That's an interesting question, really. Um, it, what, what I wonder is, you guys have brought this up before. Okay, we were seeing a little bit more of Darwin Thompson in the offense, but not a ton, but a little bit Correct. more. But in the end, Darwin Thompson's fairly valuable on special teams. And and I suppose that's why we would see him get the call over LaShawn. But I don't, I don't know how comfortable they would be using Darwin Thompson and prime situation in the Super Bowl. They were comfortable enough in the AFC Championship right. game, though. Yeah, sure. and I think that, that says a lot there. But, but you are right. The, the reason why is because special teams. Okay, um, we got one more question here. It's from Matt O'Connor. Matt, how you doing? Good Matt. to hear from you. We heard all about you, Matt. How you doing, Matt? <laughs> What's up, Rob? Andy Reid's success coming off a bye or with added prep time is empirical. How will Super Bowl hoopla and media responsibilities impact the prep time? I think it's an interesting question because it is an environment unlike unlike anything in sports. There is nothing like this week in sports. In a World Series, you got a couple of depending on when your your you know championship series ended, you have a few days, maybe a little bit extra time if you swept the previous opponent, but you don't go through this yeah. what we're seeing here. Same with the NBA Finals or the Stanley Cup, you know, the series, you know, you have sports that have series. This is just 
different. And you and, and, and you do have to handle the distractions and all the media obligations. And we learned last week, didn't we, that Andy Reid took care of some of this stuff last week. I mean, he when he said on Friday, I think it was on Friday, he said he had the game plan in. On, yeah, you know, on Friday, 100%, almost a hundred percent in anticipation Correct. of all the all that has to be you know dealt with once you get down here. Yeah. I, I think one of the more interesting things, because as you guys know, I wrote a story on how he handled things with former Eagles players, how they handled that Super Bowl run. And when I was explaining to them how they're approaching it this time around, they're all like, it's deja vu, because this is the same exact way we approached it in, in Philadelphia. If you take care of all your, your family business, your hotels, your travel arrangements, Monday and Tuesday of the week before the Super Bowl. And then... And then that final, you get, you get heavy into practice, which is what the Chiefs did. All with the extent purpose, knowing that all this is coming up. So the players are really wired right now to know yeah. that we're going to have all these media stuff going on, but we're going to be prepared long before we get to Philadelphia, or excuse me, to Miami. And I think that's what they've done. One, one thing that stands out to me, and, and you, you probably alluded to it in as many words, Herbie, but... I think the real uh, heavy load of dealing with this, in a sense, is, is almost behind them, right? It's that yes. big swing between the opening night media thing last night as we record this on Tuesday evening, if that's when we're recording. Is it is when we're recording. Yeah. We, are, we, are, we are transparent okay. in our okay. recording. All right. <laughs> you are listening to this No, I mean, I actually Wednesday. really didn't know. It was, <laughs> yeah, I, I, we're I, live. I lose track of days myself. <laughs> but... But so that swing between going kind of late last night and relatively early today, I assume that they now feel a little more sense of freedom. They have a couple more obligations tomorrow and Thursday, but those are early obligations. Correct. In their usual preparations, where this is not a usual week, but you know Tuesday is a player's day off and things like that. So, I mean, there's some of the rhythm slightly maybe is retained a little bit where they, they exert their control when they need to. I, I do feel like... Andy's previous experience with this is a help, doesn't guarantee anything, but I do think as the creature of habit that we know him to be, having a you know underpinning of what it will feel like to mm-hmm. be here really makes a difference for him. For instance, he was, I thought, quite comfortable last night. He just made a determination he was going to go kind of roll with it and enjoy the nonsense of the uh, opening night media, uh, you know, silliness and he just played along with everything. I thought, I, thought, I thought it was good on him and good for him. The one thing that jumps out to me the most about Super Bowl week, from talking to former Eagles tight end L.J. Smith, L.J. Smith says the message that was impressed upon them before they went to the Super Bowl was, your family is still going to be there after the game. They're there the, first, the, the minute you land. Go ahead and get all, you know, spend some time with them, but as the week progresses, now it's time for you as a football player to lock in. Lock in yourself, and your next focus by Wednesday through Sunday is the game. What's not, what also helps Coach Reed right now is not only does he have the experience of being on that last Super Bowl run, his staff does too. Tommy Melvin, uh, Spagnolo, Greg Lewis, who played on that Super Bowl team. So everything that Reed is saying, everything that these former Eagles players have told me, I bet this is his message. It's all what we've heard over the last week and a half. All right, good questions. Thanks for submitting them and uh, for KCQ, and I hope you got our barbecue tips uh, as well. Hey, um, when we come back, 
we're going to hear from Chiefs CEO Clark Hunt, who met with a handful of reporters, including everybody in this room uh, and, and Sam Mellinger earlier today. And you're going to hear the entirety of that interview. We don't get to talk to Clark that often. So when we do, we think you should hear it all. Did anything he say strike you guys uh, uh, What was uh, from the interview this morning? I know it's so long ago. Um, uh, there, were, there were a number of things that I thought he, he spoke to well. Uh, interestingly enough to me, the thing that stood out to me the most almost was he had, he had a, a, an interestingly detailed answer for a, a Sam McDowell question about Brett Veach's sort of evolution in the job. And, and uh, thank you, Sam, for asking that. It will help with uh, a Brett Veach story somebody else might be writing. <laughs> um, but I, th- I, I just, I thought he, uh, I thought he was really engaged. I, I, I enjoyed um, how he looked at things and, and talked a little bit about his father, talked a little bit about Herbie. You were asking him, I think, about some uh, some international things coming up, uh, how the NFL is viewing that. And, Blair, I know you asked him a thing or two. Yeah, just I just wanted to know, one of the big curiosities that I have about the whole Super Bowl experience is the, the 50-year void for the Chiefs and just the, the, the sort of the deep meaning of, of what it, you know, of, of this. And I just wanted to know who he had heard from and some of the, you know, just some of the old Chiefs or even old. And, and what he, one thing he did say that I, I thought was interesting was it wasn't just old players, but people who used to work in the organization, employees, administrators. He's have reached out to him just to, I, I think they just all want to feel a part of it. Yeah, to me, the, the one of the bigger things that came up was the CBA. Mm-hmm. And he expressed some optimism that they're further along than they were. Harvey, help me out. 2011, 2012. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's obviously going to expire after next season. So that they've got some time here. And he did mention that, hey, usually things, when you feel the pressure of a deadline, start to progress a little bit more. But he feels like they're further down the road. And when you think of NFL owners, ownership, obviously you think of the Robert Kraft and Jerry Jones of the world. But Clark Hunt's been around for a while, and that family has a voice in, in oh, yeah. that room. Yeah. And so for him to express optimism, and, but he also pointed at some things that we've been hearing a lot that he answered, I thought, pretty candidly, that he feels like a 17-game schedule is, is very much going to be on the table, taking away some preseason games to compensate for that. Um, so that really stood out to me. What, there were two things that really stood out to me. In line of, I mean, within that same line of thinking about the CBA, I specifically asked him, is this going to affect how you tackle Patrick Mahomes' potential contract right. extension? Because Mahomes is in that now, the final year of his rookie contract, he's eligible to be extended. Most teams will take a look at that. Well, this is uncertainty about the CBA. Do we want to do a contract now? And, and and players too. Yeah, players think of that too. And and Hunt was very candid about that. You know, it, it's the, yes, it, there is stuff that might affect the business side, but you know, when it comes to the football side, they're going to try not to let that happen. But he also said something to the effect of they do want to get something done with Mahomes. It may not happen sooner. Yeah, he did you know, express but, a lot of yeah. urgency though. Correct. Because, you know, yeah. That, that 12, how about that twelve to fifteen yeah. month yeah, that, thing? That surprised me. Which of course that. is twelve months from now. The CBA is expired. So <laughs> yeah. you know, we'll see what happens. But, but the too. fact that he yeah. mentioned 12 to 15 months, to me, sort of hinted that this might not be super, super close to happening this offseason. Yeah, because, I mean, with the big date, the, the circle right now is March. The end of March, the league's annual meeting, where a lot of the CBA stuff is going to be discussed and on the table. And usually about in the summertime is when we're going to start hearing how close are they and how far apart they are they and... Good, that's a good thing to point out in this whole discussion is that he did say it's been a bit since these owners met. Correct. 
and it's going to be March is the next time that they will be meeting at some at, uh, um, the uh, some ownership meetings. Yep. All right. So next week uh, after the Super Bowl, I think we'll have a discussion about the future of Mahomes and some other players that they're going to talk about. So let's uh, let's take a break. We'll have a couple of ads right here, and when we come back, you will hear from Clark Hunt. If your steering wheel has more traction than your actual tires, that's a big oh no. Thankfully. For all your car's big O no's, there's always a big O yes. Now through February 2nd, buy three, get one free on select sets of four Aspen Touring AS or Mesa AP2 brand tires with paid installation purchase. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Disposal fees extra and up to 10% shop fee based on non-discounted regular retail price not to exceed $35 were permitted. See store for pricing. Eligibility may vary. Not valid with other offers. At participating locations, no cash value. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners. Unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50, unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. I don't think I've ever heard you ask this. You probably have been at some point. But what do you feel like is an owner's sort of job description or responsibility of, of running the what is your job as, as the chairman? <laughs> <laughs> Easy one to start. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, how about stay out of the way? <laughs> uh, it, I think my job is to uh, get everybody to work together. Uh, and that's not only on the fo- football side, but also on the business side to make sure the football and the business side work well together. Yeah. I, I remember that training camp part. The idea of talking with Tyreek about a possible extension, but you felt like there had to be things that he had to sort of um, solidify with you guys in terms of on and off the field. Just what do you think you've seen from Tyreek in terms of a maturity level and what gave you the confidence to give him an extension before the season began? I I think part of it was our experience with him over the four years that he'd been with us. Um, You know, we, we knew him as an individual. Um, we clearly uh, wanted as much information as possible uh, from uh, the legal proceedings uh, that, that were going on, and uh, we wanted to make sure that, that he was in a, a good place uh, emotionally and uh, that there weren't going to be any more surprises down the road. Mm-hmm. He mentioned a lot last night, Clark, that how that process has helped him grow. Um, as the owner of the team, what have you seen out of him over this past month or since the past season that he has grown? Yeah, I think first of all, I would <clears throat> go back to his his first year with us um, when there were you know some question marks about him coming into the league. Um, we we never had any issues with him. Um, he he always uh, was uh, where he was supposed to be, doing what he was supposed to be doing, accountable to the team, listening to his coaches, uh, a good teammate. And I think we've seen that grow uh, over the last uh, three or four years. And uh, you know certainly I, I sense a heightened level of maturity uh, from him this year, uh, which is probably a byproduct of the challenges that he went through earlier this year. How do you think being a father has also helped him in that process? 
Well, I, all I can uh, say, say on that is, you know, from my own experience, being a father uh, really uh, helps you grow, and it's a learning experience on, on a daily basis. And uh, we've seen Tyreek with his uh, son, you know, here over the last couple of years, and, and I think uh, to a person in the organization, they would tell you that, that he's an outstanding father. Clark, when you were um, getting ready to hire a new coach after, after 2012, um, Andy, for a was there. But Andy was also going through a, a hard time in his life, too. I, I wonder just how much you might have talked about that. And, you know, there were people that, that thought maybe Andy should take a year off. Just, just that process of, of getting comfortable with him and understanding where he was in his life. Yeah. Well, you're right. Andy had had a terrible personal tragedy uh, in in his family life uh, the year before. And that was really one of the big questions I had going into the interview uh, was was whether he was ready to take on a new challenge or whether he would have benefited uh, from a year off. And we started the interview just one-on-one, he and I, and uh, we we talked about those uh, challenges that he'd had. And it was apparent to me pretty quickly that he was ready to get back in. He didn't want to take time off. Um, You know, he considers himself a football coach, and uh, that's what he wanted to be doing. One of the points with that, too, is that sort of you guys were at that point of needing some healing, too. I I think I thought of it that way before. Andy needed healing, maybe, and you guys did too. Did you did you feel some of that? Like that his persona was the type that could not just help fix football, but everything about. We were definitely looking for an experienced, mature leader. Uh, that's what the organization needed at that point, and a lot of that had to do with uh, the challenges we'd had on the field as well as off the field uh, the year before. And I think uh, a lot of what uh, Andy had been through from his own standpoint, uh, both with the Eagles and then with his family, made him an ideal candidate. Clark, uh, you brought 2,000 people? I, it, so so we're, we're still counting, uh, and, I, and I'm sure I'm never going to know the, the exact number, but, but it's somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000 people, including uh, all the staff, uh, their families, uh, a whole bunch of friends, et cetera. Why was it important for you to do that? For, obviously, because it is the Super Bowl, but like, why did you feel like you had to do that? Um, well, one of the things that we talk to the staff about is that we're one team. Uh, there's not a, a football side to the staff and a business side to the staff. And uh, I make that point to the players when I talk to them at training camp. I make that point to the rookies when I, when I talk to them at the, at the rookie dinner. And we wouldn't be here without every employee in the organization. So we felt it was only appropriate that the entire team, if you will, would, would be here for the Super Bowl. So everybody who works for the Chiefs? Yes. Here. Clark, what stands out to you about Patrick the person more, more than Patrick the quarterback? Well, there, there's so much about it, and a, a lot of his uh, personal qualities are what make him a great quarterback. Um, he's a tremendous leader. He's, he's very humble. Um, he puts uh, the team first. Uh, he, he always knows exactly what to say uh, in the moment, uh, whatever the situation is. Uh, he's just—he's very much a, a complete uh, quarterback, and has the qualities that I think can lead a team to a championship. Clark, how much of a sense of—it's been eight or nine days since winning the AFC. How much of a sense of joy have have you? encountered from from Chiefs players and personnel, people who used to work or, or play for this team in the past? 
<clears throat> well, everybody that I've come into contact to, and I can't tell you how many people I've had reach out to me, including um, a lot of former Chiefs employees and players, um, are, are so excited because they, they know <clears throat> the quest that we've been on now for 50 years to get back to the Super Bowl. <clears throat> Those who work for the organization at some point were part, part of that quest, and unfortunately we just didn't quite get across the finish line even though we had some opportunities before. So I, I think they're as happy as we are. Clark, have you learned anything new, different, than you maybe anticipated about Steve Spagnuolo in his first year with you guys? Well, I, I've learned a lot about Steve because he was not somebody that I uh, had met before really uh, known. Um, I think <clears throat> it's pretty clear now he's an outstanding defensive coordinator and the job that he's done turning around our defense uh, has been tremendous. I think it was one of the question marks going into the season is, you know, could, could you really make the changes we were making and and be competitive in that first year? And, and he's done an outstanding job there. But I tell you what, I really enjoyed getting to know him, him the person as well. And uh, I think everybody you talk to in the organization would say what an incredible man he is and uh, a very high integrity, high character uh, person. And <clears throat> that rubs off, I think, on the job he does as a football coach as well. Clark, this is a pretty important week for the future of the league, really. Can you maybe give us an update from your perspective on where things stand with the CBA? Negotiations. <clears throat> so I've had the pleasure, jokingly, uh, of being part of that process. Uh, you know, back in 2011, as well as uh, this this past off season, and uh, the, the dialogue has been much uh, different uh, this time than it was nine, ten years ago. Uh, very much, I think, a desire on, on both from both parties uh, to try to get a deal done, even though we still have a year for the uh, for the labor deal before it expires. Um, <clears throat> I, I have some optimism, but I also know that things like CBAs typically don't get done without a, a deadline, and so it may not happen right now, but I think the good thing is is the discussions that we had over the last year uh, will help us if, if we need to be working on it six or nine months from now. Does it seem like 17 games is, is almost a foregone conclusion at this point? I, it, it's certainly part of the overall discussion. I, I don't know that it's a foregone conclusion. Um, I, I personally think it, ha- it has a lot of merit. Uh, I think uh, reducing the number of preseason games uh, would be beneficial uh, both uh, from a football standpoint as well as from a uh, game presentation standpoint. So I think I think that mix uh, makes a lot of sense. Clark, I piggyback off of the CBA question there. Obviously on the business side of football, you have the certainty of the CBA. Whether How much does that affect uh, contract negotiations or even extensions like for example Mahomes he's a guy who can get an extension this year but the CBA still lingers in the background there yeah I, certainly any time in professional sports when you have a collective bargaining agreement that's nearing expiration I, I think it, it impacts the business on many many different fronts uh, w- whether that's with your media partners uh, your sp- sponsors maybe maybe even your your season ticket holders from a standpoint of trying to build the football team, we try to not let it, uh, you know, impact those de- you know those decisions. There are certain mechanisms in the CBA for in the last year of the deal that make it harder to do certain types of contracts. I'm not sure those will have an impact on, on Patrick's situation or not, but there there are those kind of things that have to be accounted for. That was true back in 2010 as well. What kind of priority is it for you this offseason to get Pat? 
Well, I, I've said before that um, I hope Patrick's here for his entire career, and that's going to uh, be our goal. There will be a right time sometime in the next 12 to 15 months to, to extend Patrick. And when I say right time, it'll be right time for both uh, the player and the club. And I, I don't want to um, you know, say it necessarily has to be this, this offseason, but I'll, I will say that it's a priority to get him done. Even before this trip to the Super Bowl, Patrick already had the number one selling jersey. So with this run, do you have a sense of just the business impact this is going to have on the team, whether it's <clears throat> ticket sales, whether it's expanding the fan base? I think when you have a chance to compete uh, for championships and, and play in the Super Bowl, um, it's a tremendous opportunity to grow your brand, uh, both on a national basis uh, and now internationally. Uh, one of the things that struck me from media night last night is I almost had more Mexican-based uh, reporters trying to interview me as domestic. And that was something that I, I really didn't anticipate. And it was clearly a byproduct of the fact that we had played in Mexico and also the fact that Patrick Mahomes is our quarterback. Uh, there's a lot of excitement for Patrick uh, in Mexico now. And so I, I think when you have a player like him and you're playing in high-profile games, it definitely grows the business on it, uh, from every metric. Mark, since your team won the trophy with your father's name on it, I wonder if you've reflected any differently on your father or what, what sort of thoughts you had about him in these last eight, nine, ten days. And, and then one quick question after that. So in the, in the run-up to that game, um, I, I, I thought about him. During the game, I thought about him. Certainly when they handed the trophy to us, I thought about him. When my mom kissed the trophy, I thought a whole lot about him. When I looked out at the fans in Arrowhead and, and saw them, I, I, I thought about him. Um, and then in this week, it's really sort of shifted to um, his many ties to the Super Bowl. You know, we, we really we wouldn't have a Super Bowl or something called a Super Bowl uh, w without my dad. And he would so be enjoying this week. Um, and uh, I know when we get to the game, it'll be very emotional for my entire family. And which child, who, who was it that supposedly had the Super Bowl? So my, my mother, uh, for Christmas of 1965, bought three Super Bowls uh, for my older brother Lamar, Sharon, as well as myself. Now, I was one years old at, at, at the time, approximately, approximately, so I'm not sure. I, I think I, I, I've joked that I was gumming it. I don't know if I actually you know, was doing it, but I, I, I definitely wasn't bouncing it around the house. I may have been chasing it on the, on the ground, crawling it, but who knows. But my older brother and sister were bouncing them all, all around the house, and uh, I think that stuck in my dad's mind. It, did you ever find the picture of you from Super Bowl Four? I, uh, I did. I, I did. <laughs> uh, uh, what, I, what, I, what I'm doing? I, I'm I'm s sitting in the stands uh, next to my dad. Uh, it looks like you know I'm I'm focusing intently on the game. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so much of this discussion this week will be about Andy Reid and sort of the completion of his legacy if he wins the Super Bowl. Um, you reaching out to him, him obviously reaching out to you, what would it mean if that were to occur, if you guys were to sort of cross the finish line together? As an organization, uh, we're as excited about Andy being here as Andy is excited about 
getting the Hunt family uh, back to the Super Bowl. Um, and I think there are just a, a lot of parallels there, and it, it's going to be very special for both of us. Uh, I, I know that so much of our fan base, my family, are, are so happy that Andy's going to have this opportunity, and I think we're going to uh, enjoy the moment together. I know a lot of people have talked about it, but what kind of sense have you gotten from around the league and other people just what it would mean just to the NFL to see Andy get the ring? <clears throat> Andy's a unique individual in the context of the National Football League that he has so many friends, uh, so many people who pull for him, and that's not just people who were associated with the Eagles organization. I think it's uh, a lot, lot of coaches and teams that he competed against just because he's so well uh, respected. And um, I, I just seeing that the outpouring of love that, that I've seen, you know, for him having this opportunity speaks volumes to the kind of person he is. The success of the team and because of Patrick, there seems to be this exponential growth and interest beyond the region. It's almost become an international appeal and love for this team. What have you noticed about that and where it goes from here possibly? I, I mentioned earlier that uh, one of the byproducts of having a, a player like Patrick Mahomes and getting to compete in championships is uh, the ability to grow, grow your brand. And I think you know whether that's in Mexico or whether that's in the United Kingdom or, or Germany. And I just I picked those markets. We've we played in two of them, and uh, we have a relationship uh, with Bayern Munich, and uh, and I've spent a lot of time talking to them over the last 12 to 15 months, and the interest in the. Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes uh, is tremendous. I, I think it'll give us a platform going forward uh, to grow our brand internationally. Uh, perhaps you know play uh, again internationally. I think uh, the league uh, will want to showcase the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, and there'll be a lot of interest in them. As a follow-up, Clark, um, do you anticipate an international game next year? I, I don't, uh, but I was wrong about that last year. So. And, and I'll point out I'm no longer chairman of the International Committee, so I, I don't have an inside track on that anymore. <laughs> uh, but but I do, do, just to follow up on that, I do think that the league, as soon as it, it works out from the schedule-wise, would like to feature the Chiefs internationally. I, I know we talked about this uh, after you guys won the division, and you felt that it was, was going to happen this offseason for Eric Bien. I mean, uh, obviously that wasn't the case. Just... What has the discussion been like around the league in terms of the Rooney rule, maybe changing it or developing it over time? And just what was your overall just viewpoint of watching Eric interview for jobs, but unfortunately not get hired this year? Yeah. So uh, I was very disappointed for Eric. Uh, from a Chiefs perspective, of course, we're, we're delighted that, it, that he's going to be back um, and delighted that he's going to be leading our offense on, on Sunday as well. From a league standpoint, we've not been together since the, the hiring cycle. The first time we're, we're together will be in March. And, and I, I know that'll be a topic of discussion. Claire, have, you a, have you had a chance to watch the video with Kareem and any thoughts on that and any contact you've had with him since he left the club? I, I've not had any contact with him since he left the, the club, and I, I wonder which video are you referring to? The one that came out yesterday from the traffic stop. Okay. I, I've, I've only read about that, so I've, I've not seen the video, so I probably can't comment on it. Last one, how would you just evaluate Brett Beach's role in, in the roster that he's constructed to, to get you guys here? I think it'll be uh, one of the um, 
one of the storylines that probably doesn't receive enough coverage because the focus is going to be on Andy and the job that he's done with the team over the last seven years. Andy is definitely very deserving, but Brett has been a big part of it, Uh, not only in the last two and a half years where he's been our general manager, but even before that, uh, when he was one of the top personnel executives, uh, he had a big impact uh, on uh, the decision-making in terms of the players that were selected in the draft. Um, he's extremely close to, to Andy and uh, you know has always been willing to, to give Andy some thoughts about, hey, here's some players that we ought, ought to look at. So he, he has done a tremendous job, and I think if you wanted to highlight one thing this year, it would be the, the turnaround on defense. And, uh, you know, when he, when he came to me and said, you know, here, here are the 10 things we're, we're going to do to, you know, try to improve ourselves from a personnel standpoint on, on defense, I was like, wow, that, that is a lot of change. And then getting that right, getting those players to fit together, getting them to work in the scheme with the new coaching staff, that, that was a heavy lift. Uh, but he did a magnificent job. That'll do it for today from the Super Bowl in Miami. Thanks to Savannah Smith for organizing the KCQ and to Randy Mason and Derek Donovan for producing today's episode. We'll be back on Thursday with another episode of Sports BKC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day. Every day.